Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Be The Man. I can't believe we're here. Episode two, and we couldn't do it without the man himself, the nature boy, Mr. Rick Flair. Rick, how are you, man? Good. Are you live from the Conradison? I am, man. Live and in living color. And look at you in the penthouse. Goodness gracious. Uh, what a spread you've got down there, my friend. Now you've seen it. <laughs> I, and I live to tell the tale. My check liver light was on, so I made it home just in time. Uh, but goodness gracious, what a life was, you've got in Tampa. Was under the guidance of my dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was under direct supervision. I got to go on a little, uh, field trip last week. It was fun. A <laughs> field trip. I love it. I, I, can you describe in a word, your friend, Joe Gomez and, uh, the outfit he wore when we went to brunch at the Cuban joint. Um, to describe, well, I call him the mayor. He's literally the mayor of Tampa. Oh, oh, he's the mayor of Tampa for sure. Yeah, he is the mayor. He knows everybody in town. He's so highly thought of. He's well-connected. He's just an extremely, extremely rare human being. He has such a great heart and such a good guy. Unbelievable. An an awesome time. Uh, And I'm glad I got to live to tell the tale, including going, I don't know, 80 something miles an hour on woo. Is that what you call your boat? Man, that's a speedboat right there. My friend, the woo. (laughs) 38 Donzi. I I don't know that, uh, we got enough great feedback last week. It feels like every time I logged in, I saw people saying how much they enjoyed watching you wrestle sting and you offer some alternate commentary. It was a great time last week, dude. I got tons of great feedback. What'd you see? Oh, people love it. I mean, history is history, especially if it's people that uh, have been successful in life and continue to be. Well, and we're going to keep it going today. We're going to do yet another watch along one of the more iconic matches in your career and probably the most important match in the history of Ricky Steamboat's career. He's finally going to become the world champion. It happened February 20th, 1989. Of course, people talk about the trilogy from 89 as if it's the greatest trilogy of, of any match ever. But Rick, you've told me for years, you guys had your best matches maybe a decade before. Is that right? Well, it's hard to say that they were better, but we, 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 I don't think I ever, I don't think from the time that maybe after a couple of years of working with each other, that we ever had anything that wasn't as good as, as Chicago. Or, or any other type, but we just didn't, we didn't have the, uh, we both wanted to, to deliver the best product and we both worked out extremely hard. He was, a, he was an amazing condition. We, we, you don't ever see a match where we sat in a hole for any period of time and we didn't have to catch our breath. We just went at each other and he, he let me hit him as hard as I could and vice versa. It was a war. It, it felt like a cardiovascular affair. And it goes all the way back. The first documented match I could find was June 15th, 1977. When steamboat defeated you for the NWA mid Atlantic television title. This is a TV match that was taped in Raleigh. And this is before either one of you were sniffing at world championship gold, but you saw something in steamboat way back then, right? 
I absolutely did. And uh, what happened was is Jimmy, um, that's when Barnett was running Georgia. Jimmy Crockett was, of course, running Mid-Atlantic. And uh, they wanted to, they needed another young, they needed another baby in North Carolina. And so uh, the, the Crockett's gave up one man gang and we got Ricky Steamboat and the rest is history. And then through all the, it was just brutal Ricky against all, you know, and back then, well, I guess it's been that way forever. I, I don't think so much now, but when you were a young kid coming up, especially like with me when I started or when Steamboat started, it was really hard to get, to, to, to even get a place next to a veteran guy who had a big name. It was, it's a, it was a different time. So, you, you, you didn't get booked in that position. You earned your right to be there. It also feels like from 77 to 84, you know, you guys are going to wrestle each other. What feels like hundreds of times, it may not actually yeah. be that many, but I, I think a lot of our younger listeners, maybe are just familiar with more of the television era, but before everything was televised in the territory era, man, you were working six or seven days a week, a different town every day. And oftentimes the exact same opponent because seven days a week. So th- talk to me yeah. about that, where you're, you're in a rhythm where once upon a time you're having match after match, after match with this guy, you can't help, but develop some sort of relationship where there's nonverbal cues between the two of you, you really get in sync in that time. Do you know it? Yeah, I just, we didn't, we never talked about anything. It just, <clears throat> we, we just, he trusted me and then he got to the point where, I mean, I always trusted him. He listened and he. He just knew where to be. He's gonna. He will be in my mind one of the top three professional wrestlers of all time. And when he he only worked one side, but he, he he just. uh, There's no one like him now. Now, when you're saying you're saying he only worked one side, you mean he was only ever a baby face? Do you think? Do you think he could have been a heel? Could he have done that, or is he too nice of a guy? Too nice of a guy. Yeah. Too nice of a guy. And, and, and way too giving. You mean in terms of in the ring, you got to be a little more yeah. selfish as yeah. a heel. He sold way too much to be a heel. Right. <laughs> Ricky Morton had a cup, of, a cup of coffee as a heel, but to me, he's sort of in the same category. It feels like that's not really what I want to see from Ricky. I want Ricky to be the baby face selling, right? Exactly. Exactly. And the thing that about steamboat, you have to remember steamboat was six foot two. 240 pounds. Right. He was a big, big kid, 235. Could bench press 480. I mean, it was very strong. He was in the bodybuilding. He had, he had one of the most incredible looks in the history of our business. And even to this day, he's still in phenomenal shape. Uh, if you have an opportunity to see him at an appearance, go out of your way to do so. Uh, what made Ricky so special in your mind? I mean, did you just think he had the look or was it once you were in the ring, just the chemistry between the two of you that really stood out? Both. Okay. Yeah, we got along well. Um, he married a girl from Minneapolis. He was trained by Vern. Um, Same as you. Yep. So he was uh, two years after me. Um, but he was a state high school wrestling champion in Florida, and he had credentials. And just, just that, we just clicked. We did. We never socialized that much together. I think we did um, a little bit, but Ricky. Um, you know, Ricky was really close to Jay Youngblood. You know, I was close to Jay too, but not like Ricky. They were like best friends. And then Ricky, um, 
you know, we had a lot of the same friends, but we weren't, he wasn't nearly as wild as me. Much <laughs> well, more conservative. Well, who is? Come on now. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> if I can name about 10 guys that are dead that were. You know what though? I, I gotta say, uh, you may have chilled out a little bit in your, in your older age. I can't believe I, am, I saw I'm upstairs at 10 o'clock and you've got a dog. I couldn't believe you know? I got to meet your puppy. I thought that was just a joke when I saw it online. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Nate. N- yeah. And, and what a name for a dog and what a puppy. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, it's amazing that that dog has a puppy pad on a balcony, looking at the cruise ships come in. It's amazing. <laughs> what a life that little dog has See the Marriott, all the bars and the cruise ships. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so the, the last I could find, uh, your last singles match with steamboat was four years before what we were about to watch. It looked like it happened on February 5th, 1985 for a pro wrestling USA event in Philadelphia. And then famously steamboat's going to join the WWF a month later in March of 85. He's going to stay there for three years until March of 88. He left after WrestleMania four. And of course, during that time, boy, he had quite the run with, with Jake, the snake Roberts infamously mm-hmm. taking that DDT on the floor, the, the incredible feud and an unbelievable match at WrestleMania three with Randy Savage. Were you in contact with him while he's working for the opposition? Are you keeping tabs on him through the magazines? What's your relationship like during that era? Um, I think we talk periodically, but he, you know, what happens back then in that, in that time frame, your schedule become so conflicting that it's, it's, you know, I I would see him on the road. We'd, they'd be in Chicago. We'd be in Chicago or we'd be, um, in Philly or he'd be in Washington, but I, I didn't see him that much. I mean, but I, I, I would see him like maybe the 4th of July, if we had a day off or, you know, stuff like that. But I did not see him that much over the time, but, but obviously I kept up what he was doing. Did he but, open but, a gym during that time in the Carolinas? Do I have he did. The, Yeah, He had a gym over, um, off Sharon Amity. So did he get in the gym business before or after you before? Okay. And yeah. I, I know that had to be something you were, uh, all about because you guys were just cardio freaks back then, but. I'm curious, speaking of great matches, and we're about to watch one of, one of Ricky's best. He still has one of the most talked about WrestleMania matches ever. When did yes. you get to see his WrestleMania three match with Randy Savage? And what'd you think of that one? I never watched it until a year ago. Really? Yeah. What'd you think? Um, I, well, I thought the match was great, but it, you know, you, you have to remember which it takes nothing away from the match whatsoever. But you could take George Animal Steel, you take Miss Elizabeth. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of activity. Right. They created a lot of excitement to the match as well. So it takes nothing away from the two of them, but there was a lot of outside activity, which brought, I thought, a lot of drama. I didn't watch the show that much back then, but I could I understood what was going on. And, well, just watch it back. It's a little bit different than the kind of matches I had with them. How would you compare and contrast your matches with Randy Savage and your matches with Ricky Steamboat? We've heard over the years as fans that Savage was very much a planner where it feels like you and Steamboat probably yeah. just called it all in the ring. Well, I think their matches were much better than that match they had. I'm sure they had other matches were better than me and Randy. I just, I could never adapt to that late and out. I, I mean, we had, you know, decent matches, but nothing like, nothing like Ricky and Randy had together. So uh, there's been lots of talk over the years about why 
uh, Ricky Steamboat left Crockett Promotions and went to work for Vince McMahon. And a lot of folks felt like it came down to him being unhappy with booking. Dusty. Yes, specifically Dusty. It feels as if Ricky didn't have any confidence in Dusty, that he didn't feel like he was one of Dusty's guys. Is that fair to say? Yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that until about two, maybe two years ago. I saw Ricky when we were talking about that, and I, I, for some reason, I'd forgotten that part in the history of our relationship. I, I'd forgotten why I left, but that, they, they just didn't get along, and I'm, I'm not sure why. I think Dusty was the featured guy, and and Rick, and Rick thought he should be that guy, and then he wasn't going to get in that position as long as Dusty was there, who deserved to be there too. It was, it was, a, it was it's a tough call. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Savewithconrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at Savewithconrad.com. So ultimately, uh, Steamboat's had enough of the WWF travel schedule and he's going to take a 10 month, uh, leave of absence from pro wrestling. And then he makes a surprise return on January 21st, 1989 in the WCW show. Uh, it's at the Atlanta television studios. Uh, he's going to be, uh, Eddie Gilbert's partner and, mm-hmm. um, they're going to go ahead and, um, defeat you and Barry Windham with steamboat mm-hmm. getting the pin on you. And that really yep. sets up the match here in Chicago on February 20th. But when you first heard that steamboats coming back, I mean, well, I reached out to him. I'm the one that brought him back. Okay. Tell, tell us that story. How does that happen? I just told George Scott, I said, George, you gotta get, we need, we need, you know, some money that's got big time TV and some of this really good on the roster here. You know, just, we were, we were, we were just limited in it. And, uh, I called him. He said, "Yeah." And then I, I wasn't part of the negotiation, but he came in, and uh, I mean, he's Ricky Steamboat. He was a big time player, and it just had that, like you say, one of the most celebrated matches in the history of WrestleMania, if not the business. Yeah, an unbelievable so match. He's, he's hot. And I guess we should just add some context. This is the era where Dusty had just recently left, and so with Dusty sort of out of the way. Uh, now George Scott, a name we don't hear or talk about a lot. Can you tell us about George Scott and what his, uh, position in the company was? He was a booker, just very similar to what he was in, uh, um, in, in, in North Carolina for Crockett. And, and he'd already, he'd, he'd already booked for WWE up there as well. That's what I wanted he'd to get to is come back. Huh? He, he was a big part of, I believe Ricky steamboat following to the WWF and then ultimately the success he had there. And now he's talked Absolutely. him into coming back. So they had a yeah, great George, relationship. George, George played a large part in a lot of our careers. I don't know why we don't talk about that enough. Why do you think Mr. Scott's more of a forgotten name to history these days? Because they don't remember the, they, they only remember and talk about the bookers that were, were that were workers and, and George kind of walked away from working early in his career not only as a single, but as a tag team with his brother, Sandy to focus on the booking and, and, and working in the office. He liked that a lot. And, and he was really respected by the guys legitimately, you know, a tough guy, but he just a, a good guy, honest. And you could talk to him without, you know, knowing you could talk to him without and knowing you weren't just getting a bunch of bullshit. Let's, um, 
Yeah, George Scott is but a huge part of my life and success. I'll always say that. I'm sure Ricky will say the same thing. Wahoo McDaniels would. I mean, he made a lot of us, you know, he made a lot of us a lot of money. You know, we, we couldn't really talk about Ricky Steamboat without at least bringing up. There's been a lot of rumors over the years that perhaps his marriage, uh, hurt some of his career choices. I've never actually spoken to Mr. Steamboat about that. I wasn't there. I don't have a read on it, but you probably heard other people say stuff like that as well. I'm sure. Yeah, I did. Uh, but I mean, I'm very detached with Bonnie. I just, um, she didn't like me as a person, a lot of, for a lot, a lot of reasons, a lot of wives didn't like me. <laughs> I don't know why, but, um, but I think she also, um, you know, played upon his emotions and, and, you know, you know, wanted things, she wanted to be as much, she wanted to, she wanted, and this is my thought process. She wanted as much attention as, as he was getting. Right. And it's funny, you know, how, how Bonnie met Ricky. She's one of the models that I, I hired from Charlotte to come up for that angle we shot. Really? When he, when he first came in, when he first came in, when we, when we first started going to work with each other. Well, I'll be darned. She was modeling in Charlotte. It was, she came up with three other girls and, uh, I think they met that day, but, uh, next thing I knew they were dating. Well, how about that? I, like, I don't remember how it all came around, but well, next time I see him, I'll ask him. <laughs> well, he's like me. He's been around four times. <laughs> it takes a few times to get it right. This ain't the four horsemen, baby. <laughs> <laughs> There's four horse women now. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's a good guy. He's not even a bad guy. I was a bad guy. <laughs> so so he, there's a, a free clash of the champion special, just five days before the pay-per-view. This one goes down in Cleveland. You don't wrestle yeah, on I, the I show. I got to tell you a story about steamboat. Please do. So steamboat, they're having a Mr. North Carolina contest and it's going to be Jimmy and, uh, Jimmy Snooker and, 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 uh, and Ricky enter about 30 other guys. So I want you to think about this. I'm wrestling Steamboat. I'll give you an example. An hour every night. And this is back when we were doing an hour every damn night. And he, we would, you know, drive out of town with somebody else and get in the car and drive back together. And I, because I told him I'd go through it with him if he, you know, I mean, to help him, right? And he would drink three Miller Lights and eat three Chicken McNuggets. We'd get to his house. Because during one of my minor separations, I stayed with him uh, in his house, and he would eat Cool Whip, wrestling me an hour every night, 60 carbs a day, training for that contest for about two months, and wrestling me an hour every night. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a true story. I was there. I was with it. Now, I didn't. I drank a few more than say, than three, but <laughs> I rode with him. He liked, he liked fast cars and I had that red Corvette. He loved driving my red, red Corvette. So, um, he, to this day, he's a car guy. He loves cars and speedboats and stuff like that. So we had a lot in common outside of wrestling. Let's, uh, let's talk about this clash of the champions encounter, because this is where you really establish yourself firmly as he's the good guy, the family man, you're the bad guy. Of course, it wouldn't be a, a Ric Flair confrontation unless something got ripped off. He rips your suit completely off. You're fighting. Uh, the crowd's going bananas. This is one of the better buildups, uh, a last minute build for a pay-per-view that I recall in this era. 
Yeah, you know, me. It wasn't until he the first time we was. What, I can't remember the angle we shot the first time, but I uh, we went and we got we just did like an average Hollis. So we came back a week later, and was that where he tore my clothes off and all that? Well, anyway, from that point on, we were sold out every town every night. Phenomenal, and we're going to see a bit of that in the recap when we actually w- roll the the tape. If you're if you're going to watch along with yeah. us, and, and Lord, and we, we did the same thing in '89 with you know years later with the mink coat and all that. Yeah. That's the one we're going to watch here in just a moment. It's one hour, 54 minutes and 22 seconds. But before we roll that, I want to give everybody a chance to, to fire it up. So look up shy town rumble in Peacock. It's the only one, uh, fast forward to one hour, 54 minutes and 22 seconds. And and before we roll the footage, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on with this war. We talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, with the whole Jim Crockett versus the WWF. Well, now Ted Turner's taken over, but well, second verse, same as the first two days before this event that we're about to watch the WWF runs a house show at the bigger venue in town, the Rosemont horizon. They put Hulk Hogan versus the big boss man who, when we last saw him was big Bubba Rogers here for Jim Crockett promotions. They're going to put him inside of a steel cage. They're also going to have Randy Savage taking on bad news Brown in a street fight. And they sell it out 19,000 people, man, this is a bitter wrestling war here. Anything you're trying to do, they're trying to undermine it. They want to beat you there and they want to have cheap, cheaper tickets and a bigger crowd and just sort of ruin whatever momentum you guys might have. Yeah. I know until I read your notes for the show, I didn't realize this. Is that funny when you're in, when you're getting ready to wrestle and you're not in the office, I didn't pay, pay attention. I didn't even know about that. Not only that, they load up their primetime wrestling show on USA. It's going to be a three hour special. They're hyping it as a WrestleMania five preview. And of course that's going to be all about Hulk Hogan and the macho man. And they're airing that head to head with the pay-per-view and Tony Schiavone actually makes his WWF debut. The longtime voice of Jim Crockett promotions. Now he's going to be doing voiceovers on that yeah, channel. You got him there. Uh, I bet I have an uh, idea. Da, 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 da. I guess who got him back. Da, 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 da. How did that That's work? Funny. How did you it's make mad. the, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I call Vince and then I call Barnett until simple. Wow. He wants to come back. He was in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. He called me. So I, I hate it. <laughs> he hated it when he left. <laughs> he loved it when he came back, but and the bridge. As if all of this isn't enough, you know, yeah. with, with, with them after, after yanking them out of the single a ballpark. <laughs> yeah. He, he was calling balls and strikes. And now look with at the it. Charlotte Orioles, <laughs> not even double a, <laughs> yeah. The minor leagues to the big leagues. Thanks to the nature. Yeah. 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 Goodbye. Fred Miller <laughs> or not Fred. No. What was the tall guy's name? I can't remember. Oh, truck and Tom Miller. A uh, Tom Miller. Yeah, Tom. Yeah. The, uh, the Madison square garden network, MSG network head to head with this show is going to have savage versus warrior for the very first time, boy, they're doing all they can to kill your momentum here to try to, I don't know, um, sabotage yet another pay-per-view. Well, I can guarantee you that match didn't sabotage nothing but the two of them. No, no, (laughs) no. Should we play him? Should we play him back to back? I don't think so. I think we're good on that. If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? 
SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender, SaveWithConrad.com. Let's get to the show. Without further ado, I'm pretty fired up about this one. This is going to be a classic. It's one hour, 54 minutes, and 22 seconds. I'll give you a countdown. I'll do three, two, one. And when I say play, we'll press play. Here we go in three, two, one, play. It has the greatest champion of all time, but if there's any man that is any better prepared than Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, I've not seen him. He's on top of his game, and this is a game of peaking, peaking at the right time. And I feel like right now, at this particular moment in time, if anybody can unseat Ric Flair from that company world's heavyweight title, it is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Ladies and gentlemen, these men are certainly strangers to each other. Let's take a video look and see exactly how this match came about tonight. There you see fans, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That's the surprise return in the studios of Superstation TV from January. A tag team event, and here we see him taking over on Nature Boy Ric Flair. And it was at this point in time, Steamboat returning for the first time to the NWA and making his presence certainly known. These men certainly no strangers to each other, and right here. We see the dragon really taking over on the nature boy. He's got it all under control. The man is tuned in. He's talked about destiny. He talks about this is what he's worked his whole career to get to this. We can pull the volume down here, Steve. This is really the dying days of the WCW or, or the, the old Techwood drive show. Is it not? It feels like it was probably at its peak 85, 86, but by 89, it was on the downhill slide. Would you agree with that? Uh, Oh, this is the great stuff. Let's track this audio here, Steve. I want you to take one last look at what a loser looks like. Why don't you go home and help the missus with the dishes, pal? I'm going downtown. Well, right there was all that Ricky Steamboat could stand. Ric Flair strutting his stuff. This was just past Wednesday night in Cleveland, Ohio, and it really broke loose between the world's champion and that $1,500 silk suit and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Well, you know, there's two different psychologies about the sport, two different priorities, and Ricky Steamboat has definitely said that family is first. All these priorities in the right place, and he is going to bring the battle to all the people across the country to Ric Flair that he's ever wanted to have. And right here we see Steamboat undressing the heavyweight champion of the world. Steamboat infuriated that Flair would insult his family and Steamboat's integrity. And this is what has happened this past Wednesday night that really We can kill the audio there, Steve. That shit was too good. So you're watching this back. Is this the first time you've seen this back, this clip? Uh, Probably not, but I'd forgotten how good we were. (laughs) The crowd is going bananas here for this clash at the champions. Steve, look at himself. He says so good, my God. <laughs> and I, I realize that it's in fashion to dunk on look, Jim. Look, look, look at him. <laughs> he kills me. He's so damn good. Unbelievable. Trying to get that shirt off around the Rolex. Hope you don't lose the watch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. They had had that a raw last night. They would have be getting a four today. <laughs> <laughs> Big old press slam. Yeah. God, he was good. 
man, you, you guys have such a pace, just nonstop yeah. action. Nobody's nobody's even nobody's even breathing deep there. And he hooks the leg after the cross body. Of course, nobody yeah. there to count. Hero. What what do you think of the pairing of you and Hero here in '89? I couldn't stand it, but he was George Scott's friend. I see. And George, I think George just promised to make a spot for him. I see. God damn, look at those punches, man! Come on, guys. It's just a lesson in fundamentals. <laughs> no doubt about it, man. This is classic stuff. The heels yeah, double teaming, holding him back. Of course, here we are now live action. Uh, hopefully you're watching along with us on Peacock or maybe over on YouTube. Uh, if you didn't already go subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel here, where you can see Rick and I do the show every single week and, uh, see Rick's face as he's having a good time here. It is. It is fun to look back. You forget. And what a cool robe this was. I think it's one of the yeah. only ones I saw that had short sleeves at the top. Yeah, it, it happened. That's one of the, one, one of the, you know, what steamboat and I, <laughs> we were on tour in Germany and we drank all the way back from Munich to Charlotte. And somehow I left the robe on the plane. By the time I got back through customs, it was gone. This, this is the one that one of my wives didn't lift. Well, there's a whole lot of ladies there wondering who can be next. And I think if I remember right, somebody you're pretty familiar with is going to hand you some flowers here. Yep. Cleopatra. <laughs> of course, that's uh, Charlotte's mom right there. Miss Beth. Yeah. Miss Beth. Yeah. She was smoking back then, huh? Well, I, I don't think uh, it was your speed to hang around with, uh, with anybody who wasn't. <laughs> no, I meant and she's very lovely now, but I meant she was absolutely stunning back then. Now, of course, this is a, a compare and contrast, you know, good guy versus bad guy, the family man versus the playboy, if you will. Um, and of course your Rick is uh, your wife is that was the whole setup. That was the whole damn setup. Your wife is in man, attendance, but we don't know versus it. the wild man. <laughs> uh, flair, you're here with uh, a bevy of women. And just to, to drill in the idea that, oh, you're the playboy. Meanwhile, I think Ricky actually came to the ring with, with his uh, wife and baby boy, the future Richie steamboat. Yeah. I, I don't hear his name very often these days. Do you know what's up with Richie steamboat in 2022? I absolutely do not. I know that, um, I think he married a, a lawyer and it, you know, in Charlotte, I'm not really sure. Uh, pro wrestling musings.com put out a graphic a while back celebrating this match and they broke it down almost like it was a UFC and it mm. was so close. They showed that Ricky Steamboat had 51% of the matches offense. You had 49%, uh, and they went all the way down. Like you had, he had 45 strikes. You had 37. He had 12 strike downs. Mm. You had five. I mean, the, mm. it's pretty remarkable when people study these matches and go back and give stats as if it was an NFL contest or a UFC or a boxing match or whatever. Well, what he, what he and I did, we, we were so tight. You couldn't see any, anything through us. You know, it, I, I, I still to this day, if you shoot a guy off the ropes, why in the hell would you stand in the middle of the ring to wait for him to come back and tack and give you a tackle? Right. You shoot him off. You follow him in. I mean, it just makes sense. 
you know, Sean used to call me the king of the short shoot. But why would you stand in the middle of the ring? And I mean, I'm, I even struggle with the drop down right here. I mean, everybody loved it for cosmetics, but <laughs> why would you drop down, leapfrog, drop down, leapfrog? We did, but it was just because that was part of the entertainment part of the match. But as far as being close to each other, we just stayed close and tight. You couldn't see through it. And that's what that's what made a big difference for us. And it, as it would today, if we ever did it again. Our old pal Dave yeah. Meltzer is sitting front row for this one. And there's uh, the Chicago Bears, Brad Muster. Muster. I think Kurt Beckler's with him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Stanford University. You know who else was there that night? Jim Harbaugh. Really? That's where I met Jim, yeah. That's cool, man. He was a quarterback for the Bears then. Now, this is uh, this is the time where I should at least mention. J.J. Dillon has recently left. He's gone to work for Vince as well. Was it a big blow yeah. to see JJ leave? Yes, it was for me. I hated it. I, I've always been really um, fond of JJ. I, I thought that, you know, not, it's just nothing against Hero. And I, you never want to say anything, but Hero and I just weren't that. It was JJ and me as a manager or right. Bobby. It just, Hero just was, was in the right place at the right time. And George was a very respectful guy and respected his friends. And I respected Hero. We just weren't a good, uh, it just didn't look normal. It's probably also worth mentioning, uh, as crazy as this sounds now, uh, in 2022 in 1989, the late eighties, there was a lot of conversation about how, uh, the Japanese economy was going to overtake the American economy because we were buying import cars and we were buying mm-hmm. their electronics. And sure. so this is when you started to hear really loud and proud, you, you need to buy products that are, that are made in the USA and. And the idea that you had aligned yourself with a Japanese corporation, it almost felt like you were saying, yeah, but I'd rather be with the imports. That was a big yeah. deal. Nobody gave me an import though. I never got a deal. Like I haven't got one with Rolex <laughs> alligator shoes. Nobody. <laughs> I mean, by now it does feel like you should be sponsored by Rolex, Ferragamo, Mercedes, everybody. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Ricky really tears you up with chops here uh, besides yep. Wahoo McDaniel is Ricky number two, when it comes to delivering hard chops your way, him or Garvin. Wow. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, Garvin, Garvin used to pound an item. Yeah. I, I used to wear Vaseline on my chest from Garvin, not Vaseline, um, uh, Neil Sporn because I'd be bleeding every night. And I just, you know, the match weren't as clean as they are now always because of outdoor shows and that, but I was, I was fortunate. I never got anything. Of course, once upon a time, you see, you see how athletic he is there sliding like that. Yes. He could drop, he could, he could do anything. And, and the, the, we just had, uh, he understood the, the cosmetic effect of everything we did. If you're going to do a headlock, you don't want to go over the, go over the guy's ass. You want to go over his back. Right. I mean, that's, it's easier to go over someone's back, but it's easier to, to arch your, put your hand on his hip and go over his, go over the top of his back and it looks better. And he, he understood all that, you know, and that's just stuff you don't learn it in, in, in a wrestling school now, you know what I mean? It's just, it's those are the finer things that define a guy that can really work and, and or a great worker, as opposed to someone that is going through the motions, can do all the high flying, but it can't punch, can't kick and doesn't have a clue about you know, keeping yourself close to your opponent. 
Talk to me about um, Dave Meltzer. We mentioned he's sitting ringside yeah. here. What's your relationship? First, first with time him? I met him. <laughs> this is the first time you met him, right here. Yeah, we're walking on, we're walking on, a, and I thought he was a little power lifter or something. I thought he was Brad, Brad, uh, uh, Brad Mustard's Mustard trainer or something. Right? Dave, Dave had a good physique and all that. And he goes, "I'm Dave Meltzer," and I went. Um, and, uh, and uh, the magazine guy, and he said, yeah. And he was also, also a very nice guy. That's the first time I'd gotten to know him. These chops here, man, legendary. Even today, all these years later, anytime anyone throws one in the business, the entire crowd goes woo. Do you think yeah. that's probably your biggest legacy in wrestling? The, the woo on every chop? I mean, in any language, they're still doing it. I, 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 would, I would have to think so, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly wasn't my dive off the top rope <laughs> or, or, or my moon salts. <laughs> this match goes uh, 23 minutes and change. Of course you were legendary for being the 60 minute man. When you were doing the territories, you did a lot of 60 minute draws 23 minutes here on pay-per-view. Is that the right amount of time for this match? Do you wish you had more time? I think they gave too much, too much time to a couple of the other matches. I wish we'd had about 30. You can see that we could have gone. The crowd actually got into it the longer we went. Yes. Because they could see it was a real war. And it was. He 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 never backed up an inch. Never took a deep breath. You never see him struggling or me taking him over to catch his breath or vice versa. It is pretty crazy to look back at the match times on this. I, I think Sting and Butch Reed, uh, you guys only got five more minutes than them. So certainly... Yeah. A few more minutes this way wouldn't have been the. Well, end they of the were. They, trust me, Butch could work. Was a really good worker, as was Steve. You know, but I just think that the world title deserved more time. But yeah, that's neither here or there. We, we made the best of it. We certainly could have gone longer. Politically, talk to me about when you knew you were going to lose the belt. Here, is this something that the decision is brought to you uh, weeks ahead of time, months ahead of time, or did you say, "Hey, why don't I drop it to Steamboat"? What's that look like? Well, I suggested it. Yeah, I suggested it, and then it, what I think that we decided that um, I can't remember how it came out, but he 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 just signed a short term deal, right? And then um, the reason it changed is because um, I can't remember. I'll have to ask him, or I'll ask him. Uh, I think he just had had enough of the business. I think it was uh, talked about once upon a time that you signed a contract extension backstage at this show, right before the event. Do you remember that at this show? I thought so. No, no, that, that was, was, that's with me and Hulk and Halloween havoc. Okay. When I retired in the cage with Bill Shaw, of course, no, I'll tell you what, we want to know the truth. You know why Ricky didn't come back? Cause I heard. I knew that, uh, once this trilogy was over and, and it finishes in Nashville, it's immediately transitioning to Terry Funk in that spot. Yeah. And, and, and immediately they put Ricky steamboat in a feud with Lex Luger for the U S title. It probably yeah. felt like a bit of a demotion at that time to go from the world title to the U S title. Yeah. I, I can't remember exactly, but at the same time, I think that's part of the, the Jim Hurd thing, you know? You know, I don't, I, I don't think we really saw how good or what Steamboat meant, or, or maybe he couldn't get along with Bonnie. I, I, I can't remember. 
Well, I know that it's been in fashion to, uh, to dunk on herd and, and by all means, this is your show. So feel free, but I'm thankful that we got this trilogy of matches with you guys in 89. And that happened on herd's watch. No, no, I know I'm saying I'm, and I'm not, I'm not dumping on her by any means. I just, I don't think that, you know, it's, it's, it's no secret. He didn't know a lot about wrestling, right? Being the station manager, not, you know, at KPLR did not make him a, a mastermind. Um, uh, on booking or how to be, but I, I just think that he just thought that me and Steamboat, you know, what you saw what happened a year, year later, were just old guys needed to be gone, right? And that's that's exactly how it, how it came about. I think I was forty here, right, eighty nine. Yeah, you, you you would have just turned forty. Yeah, yeah, and he uh, he's four years younger than I am, right? Five years younger. The show has uh, 8,000 paid attendance here. It does a 1.5 buy rate. Do you remember afterwards consider, I mean, obviously you're happy with the match, but do you remember the office thinking that this was a success? I don't remember it. I wasn't even aware of stuff back then. We got a I, I mean, they paid for you in that. Right. 1.5 is that. How many viewers is that? Let me, t- let me take a look here. 1.2 million. What are you thinking of, uh, this match as you're watching it back? I mean, is this all just second nature to you guys at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Just because you've done so many. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you wrestled that, uh, that someone that, that great so many times, it's just 130,000 buys is the number uh-huh. 130,000 folks bought it. Hundred what? 130,000. 130,000. Yeah. Okay. Wrestle war in Nashville did 120,000 great American bash, uh, which people still talk about to this day, did 140,000, uh, uh, Halloween havoc that year did 175. Wow. So one, 130,000 buys, how much money did they make? That's a great question. I think at the time, uh, pay-per-views were like 1495 for you guys. Let me see if I can find that. So what are you thinking as you're, as you're watching this one back for the first time in a long time? I think the last time you watched this probably in my house way back when. Yeah. I'm actually thinking to myself, um, I'm, you're, you're running these numbers by me. I'm just curious as to, it's like, I didn't know until Hogan told me maybe a year ago that the pay-per-view with he and I in Orlando bash at the beach. Yeah. 94 with, with Shaq and Sherry and all that. Yeah. Is what gave them the money to launch, uh, nitro. It all makes you know sense that? when you look back, doesn't it? What's that? It all makes sense when you look back. Oh, at I never like knew that. that. I would ask for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do a few what, questions what? here. Josh wants to know, Hey champ, when you went to Chicago, I've heard the stories about a very connected Chicago businessman that took care of all your plans, whether it was bars or restaurants or planes. Is that true? And if yes. so, what are some Bruce, other things you did with this person? Bruce MacArthur words, <laughs> the general, the general, <laughs> So much fun. Still a friend of this day. Yeah. His family owns the Blackhawks and half of the world. <laughs> Charlie thrower says, this is the match that made me a wrestling fan for the last 32 years of my life. Thank you, Mr. Flair for making me a fan of the sport. Secondly, in your opinion, what made your chemistry with steamboat so special? You know, I don't know what the words are. 
I guess it would just be repetition. So many times in the ring together, so often, complete trust of each other. I mean, complete trust within ourselves, with, with each other. You know, never worrying about, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of baby faces worry about the heel, you know, eat them up. That would never be me. I make myself look better by getting beat up. If guys understood that today, a lot, we'd have a lot lot better quality matches. I think what you're saying, there's a lot of wisdom there because really you were known as, as the champ who would sell the most and steamboat, one of the all time great sellers, what you have here. The reason this maybe is so great is because it's two guys who were really focused on making the other guy look good. And it feels mm-hmm. like everything else just takes care of itself. Yeah. And also he didn't mind me hitting them. Right. And don't think we weren't hitting each other. Well, let's also be honest. I I, I've always sort of felt like the, the undertone of this was this is an athletic competition where you're not going to let him blow you up and he's not going to let you blow him up. That's the way we went at it. And so I'm not going to say it's a professional rivalry, but it is an athletic rivalry of, Hey, let's see if I can make him take a deep breath before I do. Yeah. Something like that. It never happened. Uh, a friend of the show flair fan wants to know you've defended the world title against steamboat hundreds of times prior to 89. Why was shy town rumble the right time to put Ricky over and give him the world title? I don't know. I just think we needed a shot in the arm and, uh, and, and, and prior to that, I had, I had, I had, I'll tell you about Rick, which he'll tell you too. Rick didn't like to work that much. Does that make sense? Yeah. I can remember in uh, Christmas or in 1978, we worked Christmas week and we both got a check for $8,000 Christmas week. And I went, oh my God, that's that, you know, that's huge money yeah. for seven days, right? Or whatever it was. Especially back then. That's great now. And he called me and said, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit and take some time off. I don't like, I don't like working this hard. I went, what? <laughs> went, what are you talking about? <laughs> I already spent the 8,000 sucker. <laughs> we got another week like that. <laughs> That's funny, man. That's no, true story. He did. He would have never enjoyed traveling territories. That That's the main reason he loved wrestling, but not, and not to go through. He wouldn't want to be doing an hour in, in, in Hutchinson, Kansas in a used car parking lot. No. With Ricky Romero. <laughs> Hoops dad wants to know, please share about the ending where you whisper to Tommy to raise steamboat's hand. Your reaction was great. And that made it official. Uh, that's interesting. I don't know that I've ever paid any attention to that. Oh, I just, I, for some reason, I think Tommy was just stunned. I said, man, raise his hand. <laughs> Uh, Gavin says the steamboat trilogy in 89 is still regarded as the best series of matches in American wrestling history. How do you think they compared to the series you had with steamboat in 84? Maybe they just didn't have the same audience. Um, I'm sure 84 just as good, but just didn't have the same audience. You know, we've been, we started working together when we were both in our twenties. I'm 40 here. So we start, this is 89. We started working with each other in 1976. Or seven, what is it? 77, yeah. yeah. Huh? I think it's 77. Yeah. So that's how many years later? My God, that's... Uh, 12 years later? 12 years later. You can imagine how many times we worked. 
Matthew prong says, what do you consider the best match of the 89 steamboat trilogy? Of course, he's asking about Chicago, new Orleans and Nashville. Is this your favorite? This or, or Nashville. I, I'd have to look at Nashville again. Uh, uh, we just struggled to be in new Orleans. You know, it was already, there was no crowd because talk, they didn't advertise it. And, and it cost Mr. Scott his job. Talk to me about you tumbling over there at the same time. That's gotta be a pretty scary spot to do. Yeah. And we were one of the first ones to do that, but people didn't recognize it back then. It's still, it's still a spot where you have to really trust the guy to hang on to you. So you're going to hook your elbow, but really he's got to hang on to you and you got to hang on exactly. to him, right? Exactly. You have to have a lot of trouble. I used to do it with Barry all the time too. The, um, the, the best part of this match to me, or not the best part, something that really makes this match stand out then versus now is the commentary. Jim Ross is at his all time peak here. Oh yeah. I encourage fans. Listen, we're giving you sort of the, the peak behind the curtain. Go back and watch this with Jr. writing the lyrics. It's phenomenal. Oh, I know. Well, Jim, you know, Jim, on any given day could be the best of all time. Uh, standing suplex. We saw one of those last week with, uh, with stinger. Here's one yeah. for Ricky. Gavin says as a fan, 89 was my favorite year of your career. Steamboat funk Muda, a short, but hot baby face run. Where does 89 rank for you in terms of professional and personal satisfaction? Um, well, I obviously enjoyed working with him a lot, but I, you know, this, this was the start of the Jim Hurd issues. So uh, like it probably wasn't my favorite year. I can remember someone, when someone said, uh, well, Flair's forty. I mean, we we got to we got to we got to move on, right? You know, Randy Orton's forty. I watched him last night. He's still the best worker in the business. <laughs> the classic Tommy Young push, right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no I, I I think you probably would agree. You had more fun in like eighty five, eighty six. That Horseman oh, yeah. Crockett run. Oh my God, that's yeah. a different. In terms of fun, oh my God, I didn't know you were asking me that. Yeah, absolutely. Ben Ledbetter says, Nate, since you were both trained by Vern Gagne, how much do you attribute Vern's training for one of the greatest trilogies between you and Steamboat? That's something I hadn't really thought about, but he was old school, man. It was all about cardio with Vern and that probably didn't hurt. Huh? Yeah. But in terms of wrestling, I, 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 I'm going to give Vern a, the, the most credit that, that I give Vern for like guys like Rick and I, is he made us tough. You could not possibly survive in this business. Back then, if you weren't tough enough to get in it, I mean, that, that meant travel, work ethic, you know, willing to give your body up to guys that didn't know what, the, what they were doing half the time. I mean, it was a whole different time. Not everybody was Ricky Steamboat. Right. Far from it, which I found out the first time I went on tour as a world champion. That's one of the reasons, too. Rick wouldn't have enjoyed that. You know, wrestling a guy that nobody knows in the world and nobody cares about for an hour is not, not a dream job. Ricky Steamboat here though, had been through again, some, some trials and tribulations. He felt like he should have been in this spot a lot sooner. He leaves because of dusty. He winds up having some success in the WWF doesn't ever mm -hmm. get the big belt. Ultimately gets frustrated, leaves there. Now he's back with his favorite booker and his favorite opponent. And with your help, 
foot on the ropes there. He's going to become world champion for the first time. Mm-hmm. Was Ricky just elated that he had, this feels like you've reached the final level of your profession. When you become world champion, I know that it's a quote unquote, just a story or what have you, but man, being the world champ, especially in 1989, it had to be a big dog. It's, on a, big deal. Deal. it's a big deal. Anytime. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It's just, I know that he had to feel like, well, number one, he needed to feel like he was the best professional wrestler in the world that day, which he was. I mean, I just, with that, with, with the NWA, you had to be really good to be the champion. Right. There have been a couple of guys that have been under the wire, but I mean, you're the NWA champion or, it, or you know, early, early WCW days, you were really good at what you do for a living. When you guys come back through the curtain, did you know, I mean, or did you know during the match, Rajiv wants to know when in the match, did you know you had something very special or did you know? Oh, I, I felt it all the way through the match. I was excited for him. The first thing we did, the first thing I did was get a beer and gave him a hug. And then we I took off for the bar. I think Melcher came with us. <laughs> we celebrated all night. Why would you not? <laughs> I didn't have to win or lose to, to celebrate. <laughs> look, I mean, look at the front row. Everybody's on their feet right now. Yeah, Everybody's ready. Know. They know they're witnessing something special here. I love the wide shot where you get to see the whole crowd standing up and getting ready. Yeah. I think here comes the bump. If I remember, yeah, there we go. Down goes Tommy young. Tommy young was here for so many of these classic moments in your career. Yeah. Was it not? Unbelievable. Meltzer would say, there's not a lot that can be said about this, except that we went in for the weekend specifically because we expected the best match of the year and it far exceeded our expectations. When flair came out, he was 100% cheered and made probably the best ring entrance I've ever seen complete with models and a trumpet player. I don't think this was acknowledged on TV, but the blonde lady who gave him the rose before the match is his real life wife, Beth steamboat was cheered more than booed. Although he wasn't cheered like flair. In fact, there were sporadic chants early of steamboat sucks. Although by the end of the match, there were loud chants of steamboat steamboat as he was caught in the figure four, since he was losing the title flair was far more aggressive than usual. When Flair is at his peak, as he was here, there's nobody in the business, even on his level, the chops, both guys threw were incredible. I don't want to go overboard. There it is. There's the finish with the superlatives. Uh, man, what a moment we just saw there. Yeah. It was actually a good finish too. It worked out great. He says, even the wrestlers backstage were watching like marks from what I was told and said several things like this is the best match of the past 10 years or the best match in several years or things of that effect. The finish saw steamboat come off the top ropes with a cross body block Flair put referee, Tommy young, uh, and steamboat hit both with the move and they had both pinned for several seconds. It's too bad. Teddy long didn't get out quicker and count the fall because then steamboat would have not only been world champion, but also a head referee, uh, Teddy long came in Flair tried to pin steamboat using the trunks, but no go. Then Flair goes for the figure four. Steamboat cradles him in one, two, three, Teddy long raises steamboat's hand. And then a groggy Tommy young got up. And there was this tense moment where everyone expected that dreaded dusty finish, but young raised steamboat's hand and steamboat starts crying. Here comes the wife and son. It was amazing. Five stars. What a moment. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to hear uh, steamboat do a promo afterwards, but a five-star affair 
in those days, five-star matches were really, really rare. We're hearing Jim Ross and Magnum, uh, try to recap what we've seen, but I think we're going to hear from an elated Ricky, the dragon steamboat. We definitely want to track that audio. And then we're going to go through some more notes from Dave Meltzer and, uh, we'll tell you what we're doing next week, but God dang, this was fun watching this old match with you. No, it's great. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's track the audio here as they're getting ready to go to a steamboat. Ladies and gentlemen, what's the dragon's night? We said if there was ever a night, if there was any of ever a man prepared, he was prepared tonight and he proves it all. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go back to Bob Connell, who's with the new world champion. All right, Jim, and right you are, and here he is in the dressing room, the celebration already underway, and the man who waited a long time, believed in himself, Rick Steamboat, the world heavyweight champion. Rick. You know, you know, right right now, it's hard for me to believe what what's what I'm holding in my hands after all these years, and I don't know how many. Here comes the boys with the champagne. I, I don't know how many. They're stealing my woo. Never. Never. Alright, Rick, let's have that speech now, huh? You're not, you're not speechless now, are you, Rick? You know something, Bob? I just, I just really don't know what to say. I've had a lot of encouragement from a lot of the guys and a lot of encouragement from a lot chest. of the wrestling fans. And I think that you people well out there that were trying to call this match are really totally shocked. I, I'm, I'm shocked, and I just hope that we can put the number NWA right back up there where it belongs as number one, and 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 represent this this championship belt. As, as a champion for the people and, and, and for the guys that, that have backed me over the years. Rick, if anybody can do it, Rick Steamboat can. Fans, again, congratulations to this man, the new world heavyweight champion. I like to hear you, Rick Steamboat. You know something? I've got to, I've got to tip my hat to, to Rick Flair. I got to tip my hat to Rick Flair being a, a great world champion. And I just wanted to tell him that. I'm not going to be a closet champion that as soon as we get the papers drawn that he's going to be the first man to have a title shot back for, for this championship uh, belt. All right, Rick. And now let's go back to Jim Ross. So we, we can cut it there, but all my right, goodness, he's so excited. He, he's pouring champagne over his head. He didn't think about that getting in his eyes and burning the shit out of him. but I never saw that before. That's cool. That was very cool. It was a real moment. It was really special. Uh, you can tell he's overcome with emotions. Uh, I liked it. And, and it felt like a major moment. Meltzer would say this. There were 24, two counts in the flare steamboat match. So of course we're talking about false finishes. I really would have liked to have seen the first two matches cut down in time. And I've had the Wyndham Luger match go five minutes longer. Um, flare and steamboat never took a deep breath in their entire match. It could have gone a lot longer and it's ridiculous to complain about that match. The place cheered. Uh, when steamboat won the title and really the crowd reaction for the last nine or 10 minutes of the match was like nothing I've ever seen. I honestly believe they would have cheered just as much had flair won because they were racked, reacting to both men's offenses equally, even though flair is supposedly a heel, he is in reality, a baby face, and he's got a unique talent of being able to get a tremendous heat out of a baby face versus baby face confrontation at the time. After saying all this, the NWA did put on a good show but a great match can't turn around a promotion. 
All the problems were still there on Monday morning and they were there on Tuesday morning. I should mention that there were a significant amount of booze when steamboat brought his son to the ring after the title win and the NWA had better hope that enough fans saw the match and respected steamboat because of how great it was, because this does have the potential to be another Ron Garvin situation where fans resent steamboat for carrying flair's title. And that final quarter of 87 was the beginning of the disaster that killed Jim Crockett promotions. Also, there's a legitimate fear that steamboats family image persona is not what today's wrestling fans want from a world champion and that his return has been too much of like a Bob Backlund. There's a lot of fear going into the match that steamboat was going to get booed a lot more coming off the angle Wednesday night, but it didn't turn out too bad. So uh, he's largely saying what we've all thought that maybe this wasn't the right approach as far as the family man versus the playboy, but man, when the bell rang, none of that shit mattered. Did it Rick? No, I don't think so. It just, at that point in time, you have to, somebody, someone's got to look at the management and that, not the production on the point of the wrestlers. Right. This, this to me right there, the problems that went coming going into it and going backwards fall on the, on the management and the people that were put in places they were it, that they um, didn't deserve to be no problems in the match that's for <clears> sure <throat> just no. an outstanding match um overall what do you prefer we saw you wrestle sting last week we saw you wrestle uh, steamboat this week did you have a match that you preferred of the two? Oh, i think that um you know, with Steamboat, it just was, you know, it could be technically considered better, but I loved working with Sting so much. But it was, with Steve, it was more like he was the the superhero. Yes. I think- with Ricky, with my, we, we, we worked like we were equal in strength, equal in ability. With Sting, it was my, my honor to be able to take the press slams and, have no sell and stuff like that. You know, and a lot of guys didn't understand that. People got mad at me for doing that with him and Luger. And I would say, I was at a wrestler table. Why are you doing that? I said, because I'm on top and I got to draw money. <laughs> right. And you know, but they're not, they don't, they don't have the time in the ring to be, you know, to be, to be as technically strong as a guy like Ricky. You've that, that's, that's on me. No one's going to say, well, He's not technically good enough to be in the ring with Flair. It's Flair's not drawn anymore. But if I'm keeping the the building full, and I'm going to work with a guy the way I want to, and I, I'm going to get, you know, what he is the best of what he has in him out. And I don't care what I have to do to do it. That's my responsibility. Well, it's our responsibility to remind you to get over to rickflareshop.com, buddy. We got hundreds of items over there. I'm looking at coasters. I'm looking at mugs. I'm looking at t-shirts and hats and masks. And there's something for everybody at rickflareshop.com. Is there not? There absolutely is. Check it out right now. I think you're going to love it. I mean, one of my favorites is this, this, uh, shirt that looks like it's the beginning of star Wars, but it's got your promo about I've spent more money on spilt liquor but it looks like it's the beginning of star Wars. It's over at rickflareshop.com. Check that out. Uh, that's rickflareshop. rickflareshop.com. Come Woo. on now. Also want to remind everybody to check out goliathlife.com. If you haven't already, Rick and I know that boy life insurance is critical. It's not about you. It's not about your car. It's not about your house. It's about your family. What's going to happen to your family. If they lose your income, goliathlife.com helps provide that peace of mind. 
And Rick, the great thing about GoliathLife.com is it's not just one quote. You're going to get quotes from 20 different carriers. Our listeners can pick the payment and the terms they want. They're in total control. Think about that. 20 different quotes all in one place. GoliathLife.com. They make it affordable. They make it easy. You don't have a phone call. You don't even have to go to the doctor's office. If they need medical stuff, they'll come to your house. They'll come to your office. I've done it. You should too. Life insurance is critically important. And we recommend GoliathLife.com. Don't we Rick? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Check it out. GoliathLife.com and boys and girls, we're going to be back next week. And Rick, I think we might get in trouble. Next week, we're doing something I'm calling ask Nate. Are you ready for this? We're going to let the fans put their hands on the steering wheel here on the show. And they get to ask you questions, anything they want. Nothing's off limits, anything. right? Anything. No holes barred. Aren't we, aren't we making a big announcement next week too? I think the rumor and innuendo is you and I have a big secret that we've been working on and the world's wow. going to find out next week, maybe right here on the show. What about that? Hopefully I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to boys and girls stay tuned it's going to be a fun summer and you're going to learn each and every week how to be the man right here with the nature boy rick flair Woo!